In this episode, I speak with Dr. Raquel Butler of Integrated Veterinary Therapeutics in Australia. We'll talk about listening to your horse when something doesn't feel right and the importance of a multifaceted approach to rehabilitation. So here we go, episode 169. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Dr. Raquel Butler is a biomechanical medicine veterinarian from Integrated Veterinary Therapeutics in Australia. She's qualified in osteopathy, chiropractic, and rehabilitation for animals. She has a special interest in equine anatomy, biomechanics, and rehabilitation. So Raquel has been mentored by Sharon May Davis, has undertaken many dissections, studied a number of different bodywork therapies, taught clinics in anatomy, biomechanics, assessment, taping, and postural development, as well as in the equine science degree at Charles Sturt, Australia. She's a teacher for equinology and has recently launched her first online course, Equine Functional Posture, Stability to Strength. So I first met um, Dr. Raquel Butler when she took a clinic of mine um, when I was teaching recently in Australia and it's just always so valuable when there's a veterinarian um, who also is a rider and who also is open to um, the kind of riding and teaching that I do where we really listen to the horse. So it makes sense and it perfectly blends together, I think. So I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Raquel, so nice to have you on the pod. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Karen. It's really great to be here. Yeah, so um, you and I met uh, recently when I was in Australia teaching a couple clinics, and so you were you were in the clinic there with your beautiful horse, and uh, it was it was really fun to have someone with your knowledge and education there, and especially since the last session that we did together, you know, Raquel just shows up bridalist and I just teach her. And I think halfway through, I was like, yeah, you know, everybody, this is kind of unusual, <laughs> but it was just so fun. Cause like, yeah, you're bridalist. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll just keep teaching without skipping a beat. Um, <laughs> and we just played to find the sweet spot of relaxation, energy and balance with our horse. So um I think before we get into kind of the veterinary and the rehabilitation and posture and movement sort of stuff, I'd love for if you could share a little bit of your your story as a rider. Uh, yeah, as a rider. Um, so I sat on my first horse when I was a year old, <laughs> sat on my mum's mare that she had when she was younger. And I think um, that was, yeah, that was the beginning of the end of me with horses uh, and kind of fell in love with them from that point. And then growing up, I didn't get my first horse until I was mm, like late primary school. Um, and then I always had difficult horses. So I had, you know, like a pony that would take off. I um, had a, the, a horse that would lay down when you did the girth up, um, one that would buck and rear and squeal if you didn't do the right thing. And uh, and then my last horse that I had became a head shaker, like my, not my last horse, but like the horse, he was actually my first horse, but he was like my last horse before I had a break from horses. Um, and he became a head shaker. So I had this number of difficult horses and I really didn't understand uh, like why and I guess I thought that they were all behaving badly <laughs> and I didn't know any better uh, and obviously look back now and realize you know we never looked at saddle fit we never looked at um, like why they might be doing those behaviors we had massage therapists and things like that but you know we often put them down to being naughty 
And so uh, I'm, I met a massage therapist and, um, you know, I thought, oh, this is really interesting and I really would love to know why my horses did all the things that they did. So I was really lucky to have this off-the-track thoroughbred who was very, very kind and he kind of took me up the ropes of uh, higher-level dressage movements. Like I didn't really compete that much on him because I only had him for a couple of years and then I went overseas. But, you know, he kind of showed me what it was like to experience a bit of half-pass and, you know, started canter pirouettes and flying changes and things. Um, and he was very, very very kind natured um I did a lot of eventing and kind of pony club and just low-level stuff as I was growing up but now I'm really interested in um like having those moments like I had at the clinic (laughs) um where you know you're really kind of I guess in harmony with the horse and I've lent more towards bridal-less riding because I've um had a pony before jelly the horse I currently am riding who, you know, you'd put the bit in her mouth and she'd just go into brace and uh, go into kind of mouthing the bit uh, and and you didn't have anything there. So she kind of taught me a better way of, of listening uh, and she was my first horse that I went bridalless on. Uh, and, yeah, I've, I had a very, very special relationship with her uh, and we'd go out like trail riding bridalless and um and and every like we did our first working equitation bridalless. Uh sorry, we did that bitless because you're not allowed to do it bridalless over here. Um but yeah, I was kind of really interested in that. So that's kind of a very short version of how I've got to where I am <laughs> in my riding. Uh, that's cool. And I love what you said. You know, when you went bridalless, it was a better way of listening. Yeah. And I think that's so important because, you know, so much of normal riding, you know, there's restricting things. There's martingales, there's nosebands, there's things that control the, so that the horse can't express the things that they want to express. So I I really love how you said bridalless was a better, a better way of listening because you sure do find out. <laughs> Oh yeah, I found information. Out, yeah, a couple of times because uh, I kind of initially taught myself, and we had a few moments where uh, we lost control. And uh, one of them was at a clinic when I went bridalless the first time, and the instructor said to me, "Are you sure? Like, are you sure you want to hop on bridalless with no halter?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll be fine." And I, just as I got on, my pony got a fright. She took off towards the arena like the side of the arena and I thought do I bail and anyway I was still on when I got around the corner so I thought okay well because I was bareback as well so I thought okay and I got around the arena and as she went past the spectator she like it's still a little pig root and then I remembered oh just flick up my neck because I had a neck ring at that point and I thought oh just flick that up and then she just stopped and it was like the second time we'd ever ridden bridalless so I was like, okay, I think I need to work on a few more things. Yeah. <laughs> My general rule is like, if you're not um, really experienced with bareback or bridalist, do one of those at a time. Like if yeah. you're going to do, if you're going to try bridalist for the first time, have a saddle. Yeah. If you're going to try bareback for the, you know. I was pretty anyway. good at the bareback stuff with her because I, I okay, didn't have cool. a saddle. So I was Pretty okay with the bareback part of it, but yeah, the bridalless <laughs> oh, was a good first experience. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> um, bit, well, I I, I love safe with jelly as I've as I've taught him how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was he was lovely. I mean, if somebody wasn't really focusing, they wouldn't have even known. <laughs> so yeah. that's pretty cool. All right. So um, yeah, maybe you know I've shared in the introduction about what you do but maybe in in your in your own words like what do you do now yeah so now I'm um now I have my own business integrated vet therapeutics so I started that over 10 years ago um and went out of kind of being a traditional vet because uh 
a few reasons, but I was kind of a bit over treating symptoms. And I always knew that I wanted to go down the path of like chiropractic and, um, and, and I was inspired by a vet called Dr. Ian Bidstrup to go down that path. And so I started my own business then. And then I was in that for about seven years, um, treating horses and dogs full-time and then I started teaching clinics with Sharon May Davis um, and followed her overseas and uh, learned all this like started to realize all the stuff I didn't know about anatomy and biomechanics and um, did a lot of dissections with her and then she handed me over her teaching of um, her clinics Uh, and then I thought oh I really love teaching and so then a job came up at at a university teaching in equine science. So I thought, oh, I think I want to do a PhD. And so I started teaching equine science, which I really, really loved. Um, But I did my honours and I realised research is not for me. (laughs) I'm a much more practical person. And so now I've gone back into my business uh, and I'm treating horses, running some clinics, and also just started my first online course. So, yeah, that's all keeping me and teaching for equinology as well uh, in their bodywork course. So I, I like doing lots of different things. I get, you know, a bit um, stagnant if I'm just doing one thing. <laughs> I can relate a little bit to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think what's what's really interesting about you is not only your amazing you know, education as a, as a veterinarian and all the different modalities, but also that you're a rider. And I personally love having vets or, you know, people that work on my horses and the body work that, that know what it's like to ride. And I'm, I'm, you know, I know that the, the movement dynamic is such a big part of, and I think this is a, a really interesting thing to see, you know, the movement dynamic and then the modalities that you apply. And for me with my horses, it's, it's often a question mark of like, what, what needs to come first or how do they work together? Because I've, I've experienced sort of riding horses sound or using movement to create the soundness. But then there's also some times where you need something in order for the movement to improve and so it's a it's a very interesting I was going to say confusing I'll say interesting <laughs> it's a interesting thing and I think you you know I work with the movement a lot by feel and by building trust and communication and listening to the horse to get a result and it can be really you know really powerful but with your experience also as a rider and the veterinary like I'm I'm wondering if you have insights into how do how do people and I'm asking selfishly like how do you know when horses need these different modalities I know that's a huge question and probably you have some specific stories but um just in general like how do we approach it going okay I think I need to change the movement dynamic and then they need a little chiropractic and then after that this other thing you know yeah you get the idea so go yeah that's a really um it's a really complicated question because sorry <laughs> put me on the on the spot. No, I think that um, you know it it's it really depends a lot on your experience with horses because I know myself I'm kind of still learning that every single day. You know, with clients' horses and my own horses, and you know at at what point do I need to treat them and and yeah what can I sort out with movement and I think what I find really interesting and this is just from my like I'll talk talk a bit about it from my personal perspective and then from a client perspective because what what I've been surprised at from a personal perspective is how much I can influence a problem with movement when I understand what the problem is you know so if I'm like okay I know that um uh jelly's got a stiff we'll just say he's got a stiff neck you know and so then I'm like okay well I can play with these different movements to help him find 
you know, a better mobility of his neck. But if A, I didn't know that he had a sore neck and B, I didn't know how to move it in a way that helped him, um, then I'm going to be limited, <laughs> you know. So at, at that point, I guess, so I've seen big changes using movement uh, and the more I'm becoming aware of that, the more I see that change. But then with my clients, you know, sometimes they can't recognise that it's the stiff neck and they just know that um, maybe the horse is having trouble bending to the right, but they don't know that that's because of, you know, A, B and C. So therefore they they don't know how to change the movement to help him. So at that point I'd say, well, if you can recognise there's a problem but you don't know A, where it is or B, the movement to utilise to unlock that place, then you probably need to get help. Um, and I think that a lot of people put things down to behaviour and, you know, I even I saw a little pony yesterday and they said to me, um, oh, like, this horse is lame, you know, so the first horse I looked at, like, this horse is lame, so they knew they needed me because the horse was lame. And then they said, the pony... I think he's okay, but, you know, he. I'm just not sure if he's being a pony because he just started bucking a little bit going from trot to canter. And I I think ponies especially get a bit of a raw deal because they're often like being a pony. <laughs> and when I looked at the pony, I was like, wow, this pony's dealing with a lot. And it's amazing that it's only bucking from trot to canter, you know, like, his whole body was jammed and, you know, because he was being pretty well behaved in every other facet, uh, you know, they didn't really hadn't been able to discern that. And I think because he was so jammed up, he'd, he wasn't able to communicate that. Mm -hmm. And so he was way sore. <laughs> um, so I think, and then that's where I'm really passionate is about like educating people to recognize like physically because behaviorally people get confused and they think that they're being naughty. Uh, and I still say nine times out of 10, they're just trying to communicate. And there's always a reason. It's just whether we have enough knowledge or experience to be able to, to kind of figure that out. So yeah, I guess. I guess at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to your awareness. Um, and I notice with my clients who know like in hand stuff and they're, and they're trying to ride in self-balance, like they'll pick up things way, way quicker. And they'll also have tried things to like alleviate it. But if you don't have that knowledge, then you're trying to push the horse through and that's where it can come unstuck or the horse just starts to kind of shut down and figure out a way to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting, you know, to be able to step back every now and then, you know, trainers will often see things as behavior problems. Surgeons will say they need surgery, you know? So I think, um, I think it's interesting that you've noticed a difference with people who do more groundwork because that's, that alone is just a change of perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, you're riding the horse, but then you see the horse and then yeah. be able to step back again and maybe, you know, have a way of looking at your horse when they're on the ground or having some little tests that you put them through or bringing somebody in um, who can take that fresh perspective. Um, I have different different sort of body work people that that come. And when when I start having some sort of challenge with my horse, I love having someone come in exactly for that purpose of maybe it's not like, okay, fix my horse, but it's more like, what do you see? You know, yeah. what's a dynamic that, that this person can see that I'm not seeing. And then if it starts connecting with things that I'm experiencing training and, the, and then, so there's one is sort of noticing that <laughs> there's some, something ain't right. <laughs> yeah. And, and saying, I, and then, you know, I wonder what it is getting some insight yeah. into what it is. And then, you know, then there's the plan. And that that's sort of down the line. Um, but yeah, and I find I, that really fascinating to, 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 okay, okay, here's something. And then every story feels very different with every horse. So, you know, yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, they just need a chiropractor. 
yeah. oh, they just need a this. Um, that I think in real, and we hear a lot of those stories. Oh my God, this person came in and now my horse is fine. Those are often the, the social media posts we hear, but I think it's, it's so complex and layered. So um, yeah, I do have, I love the, the specific stories. Do you have any other <laughs> stories of real um, life, you know, challenges and then the, the layers of what was involved in turning? Yeah, I think like you just said, you know, sometimes you'll have the amazing ones where you come in and it's a one, it's a one treatment, <laughs> you know, it's a one treatment, like trick, you know, you'll treat it once and they have this amazing transformation and like, you know, they're, you kind of unlock the body and then from then they just move forward. But I guess the stories that aren't always shared as frequently is that is the ones that you mentioned at the end there, like where it's quite a journey um, and it takes a lot of commitment from the owner's perspective and the horse's perspective uh, and it's hard. It's hard work. And, you know, I have a few of those where I'm pretty lucky. I have amazing clients and I, I mean, I generally set them up at the start and say like, you're in for the long haul here. If you want a quick fix, you, you know, you're probably with the wrong person. Um, and usually they've exhausted a lot of other options. Um, but I, you know, my aim is that at the end of the day, we have a whole horse that is better than the horse has ever been before, not just that the lameness has got better. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have one at the moment who, you know, off the track thoroughbred, uh, so client's horse off the track thoroughbred, come to me with a chronic lameness. Um, you know, he's he's got some weird injuries, um, some some weird kind of muscle tears and as well as chronic stuff from racing. And so, you know, when we're looking at his rehab we're not just looking at rehabbing his lameness. We're looking at like rehabbing his whole body so that he's able to be more functional and he doesn't break down again in that same place. So like his journey has been quite challenging because I asked her not to ride him and uh, until he's sound <laughs> and um, you know, she's done lunging, but uh, asking her to like use one pole and do really simple specific exercises and his whole demeanor has changed. Like he is a completely different, behaviorally different horse. He's so much more present. Um, he's more interactive. His whole body shape has changed. Um, she hasn't, she's only hopped on him once or twice yet because we're still getting his feet sorted out. So hopefully that just happened on the weekend. But, and it's a process of like, you know, and then she has to get a new saddle because now the saddle doesn't fit. So it's like it's this whole rehab process where at the end of the day it's massive for the owner uh, and they need a lot of support. But, um, you know, if they can sit through that, then at the end of, well, I think he's been well over six months, um, they have a completely different horse to what they started with. Like, And I guess people might see the end product and be like oh you're so lucky your horse is like looking amazing and what they don't see is like the process <laughs> that it was for that owner to get there <laughs> you know like they've invested a lot of money a lot of time and they felt like at times that they were getting nowhere um and you know they have to have a lot of trust in me <laughs> when I'm like you you will get there you've just got to you know, we've got to unravel everything first and then basically put it back together to help him reprogram his whole system. Um, and for some horses that can be a longer journey than others. And some of them we're dealing with things that are going to be lifelong management. So yeah, it's it 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 can be a very challenging journey for people. Yes. Yeah. And but I think you know, ultimately that's going to be closer to the, the answer that's going to give the long-term results, you know, in, in so many vets that I've talked to something that they're seeing that they're frustrated about at their clinics is the same horses keep coming in, re-injuring the same part. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that's the Spencer again. That's the Spencer again. That's the Spencer again. They keep healing it. 
and then they go back and many vets kind of know what just what you're saying but maybe they're not trained in all those modalities so they don't feel like can or they'll just say oh my clients won't do that it's a company they won't do it I'm like well not if you don't tell them especially if you don't tell them so I think what you're saying is so important because it's it's never it's rarely I would say just just one thing and it's yeah and it's so cool to have one person that has all those eyes because you know around here often I have to piecemeal I'm like okay for this horse I'm gonna bring this professional and that professional in and they might not even like each other but I'm gonna you know I have to kind of curate this team for the horse so I think it's so so cool to have veterinarians who are so educated in these different modalities and riders so you know the process of of that aspect and how it can help and I've even asked vets I'm like how many horses do you know that it's just the way they're ridden that's causing the injuries and they go oh yeah a lot of them I'm like do you ever mention that they're like no way you know so I mean and it's not about criticizing it's just about hey here's here's something you could do differently in the warm-up or here you know something so and and um, I've seen like really amazing transformations in owners where you know uh they were quite fixed in the way they were riding or certain aspects of it and I don't generally tell people you know you you have to do this unless I feel like they're really um really kind of open to that usually I just make suggestions and um, try to explain to them how those things might be having an influence or how I might be still finding the same things and often eventually the owners figure it out for themselves and when they do kind of figure it out uh, and I'll show them exercises on the ground. I'll say, can, like you just said, can you incorporate this in your warm-up? And some of these owners have never done any exercises on the ground before. Um, and I can tell when they've been doing it because the next time I come, their horse just does this beautiful circle. And I'm like, you've been practising. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like they start, like their level of awareness starts to change. And I think sometimes you know, they're limited by their own awareness, but sometimes they're limited by the trainer that they have and and that they don't have another option in that. And I'm not a trainer. Like I can see a lot of stuff, but, and I can help on the ground, but I don't like to interfere in, you know, if they've got their trainer and they've got their hoof person, all I can do is kind of point out how I think it's influencing the horse but yeah, I've had quite a few owners where they've come to their own realizations or I've given them a DVD or pointed them in a direction. And then some come back and they're like, oh, I figured this out. I'm like, oh, that's good. I've been saying it for a few years, but I'm glad you <laughs> I'm glad you figured that out now because your horse will thank you for that. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes it's just planting a seed. But I think if you don't try, which I've done as well then you don't know because sometimes I had a student recently and I, I just asked her the question like, um, what, why are you, I noticed that you're using side reins and obviously that's a bit of a contentious issue. And, um, and she said to me, I don't know any other way. Like, I don't, I don't know how to lunge him any other way. Um, if I do, he's he's in the air and he's all over the place. Um, and I thought, okay, like yeah, like I said, well, there is another way. Like I can't, I can't show you because that would take me a few months um, to mm-hmm. kind of show you and your horse. But uh, but at least she, you know, realized there is other ways, and so she will probably go and find them now because ultimately she cares about her horse. But it's really easy to kind of judge and go and and think, oh, like they're using side reins, why are they doing that? But and and or as a vet say it's not I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> but at the end of the day, sometimes people literally they they just think that's their only option. So they don't they they've never seen any other way. And I think we forget that sometimes. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think just the power of, of opening that possibility of like, you know, I was teaching someone the other day myself and she, it was the first time and she had her horse in side reins. And I just sort of mentioned at one point, you know, oh, I wouldn't have these. And she said, oh, you mean looser? <laughs> and I said, yeah. no, I don't even own any. And she was like, what? And I was like, we'll talk about that next. <laughs> you know? But yeah. just that little like, wow, really? You, you know, is sometimes just a little idea. And, you know, a lot of times trainers, you know, this is not to criticize trainers, but trainers are often very specialized and they're yeah. trying to train the thing that they're expert in, in training. And then when issues come up with the words, like the pony, oh, it just bucks in that transition. Then trainers end up having to try to solve this training problem. Yeah. But I think a lot of trainers like for dressage, it's like they want to teach dressage. They don't want to handle behavior problems. And if you can, if owners can sort of do their homework and go, huh, I wonder why, and maybe we can make the horse comfortable. And then the horse shows up to the lessons, not bucking trainers happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, sometimes it's just that little bit of self-advocating of going, huh, let me investigate this and not expecting the trainer to be an expert on this. They're just trying to get the stuff done that they want to train. Um, yeah. Yeah. and sometimes just that confident, the, the owner's waiting for the trainer to tell them what to do. Oh, go find this, you know, go find Raquel Butler. <laughs> like they might not say that, but they, yeah. they, they do wish the horse was showing up, not feeling like bucking. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean that, that um, I think we're already talking about this, but I read somewhere when I was Googling you on the internet, it said that you really do it. And it seems this way you enjoy bridging the gap between equine therapists and trainers and, and veterinarian. So maybe you can talk, I think we've already been talking about this, but like, what is the gap and, you know, what's the most common disconnects and like, what do you want people, what's your message? What do you want people to know if you're, you're standing in this beautiful place that can really connect the dots? Yeah, I think that's another great question. Um, I guess, yeah, what is the, what is the gap? Um, And I, I think at, in some aspects of that, we don't always know what the gap is. <laughs> and so that's probably the most challenging aspect of it in a way is like, um, is it's not always clear what the gap is between a vet, a trainer, a hoof care professional, a body worker, um, a owner, a horse, <laughs> like, it's not always clear what those gaps are because everyone comes from a different perspective of knowledge and experience. Um, and what I see is sometimes we think that we have the, we have kind of filled in the, like we can fill in the gaps. Like I think as vets, we think we need to be everything and that's a bit of how we're trained. Um, and because we're kind of in that, professional position we feel the pressure of being everything for 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 the owner and I you know I think there's a shift happening but it's probably happening a bit more in small animals in terms of the gap starting to bridge in rehabilitation and and say surgeons starting to recognize where um, a rehabilitation practitioner can help them with that dog um and in horses, it's in Australia anyway, it's a little bit slower. Uh, but, you know, I'm getting pretty lucky around here because I have a new grad vet who has um, interest in feet and she's very well qualified in feet. And I have uh, another really good trimmer. Uh, I know the local saddle feeder and so I can chat to her and, um uh, and I can refer for veterinary stuff like I don't do x-rays and things like that so they're starting to develop a bit of a team but I would say vets are probably behind uh, in that and I think in bridging the gap what I say the most is that the owner has to be the advocate for the horse and I guess my I see my job because I have an understanding from all perspectives I you know kind of know about saddle fit I know about hoof balance I know about you know rehabbing because I've been through it myself with my own horses I 
you know, so I can kind of come in and help them find the right person, but I can also come in and say, this is how you advocate for your horse. Like these are the things that you need to look for in your horse to know when you need to do something. So, you know, I might say, well, your horse shows when he starts biting, you know, and he he's not happy and so we need to get to the bottom of it or some horses will just bite for different reasons so that might not be you know might it might be different for two horses but it's making people aware that they can open themselves to their horse's communication and then they can use that to help them advocate for the horse and link the other professionals um and I had a friend who her horse was very well trained and she and he knew all the things, you know, like he was, he was like, yep, yeah, what do you want me to do? And he was ready to do everything perfectly, quickly, uh, you know, all the stuff. And and then I come along and I said, okay, that's great, but physically he actually can't do the stuff, even though he's giving you the stuff, like he actually is struggling with it physically. And I said, see how his legs do this and his legs do that and his head does this and see his facial expressions and, um, you know, slow it down. And then and then all of a sudden he couldn't even barely do one step of of the of the stuff. And and she was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I never I always just thought of it from a safety perspective and like he had to be kind of submissive and do all the things. And when he slowed it down, he started communicating with her really quickly. So within a couple of weeks, like she tried a new saddle and I think he, I can't remember exactly what he did, like whether he stopped or whether he just threw his head a certain way, but she got off. And I think it was like the first time that she'd actually allowed like a two-way conversation to happen where she recognised that, like she'd open the door for him to communicate and say my that saddle is not comfortable whereas before he would have just done the things and so it's changed her whole way of being with horses like just and she's an older lady <laughs> you know she has she's very very knowledgeable she's very very well educated um but she just never looked at it from that way and now she will always advocate for her horse like she's you know very much trying to listen to them now so that's probably the best way to bridge the gap is learn how to listen to your horse and then learn how to have a two-way conversation and then be their advocate when it comes to other professionals and if you feel like that doesn't sound right or um or they tell you no he's fine you're fine just keep riding or keep pushing don't do it trust your gut and trust your relationship with your horse because you're never wrong (laughs) that's so powerful that everything you just said there I mean there's so much to it because it it really gets to the core goal like what what are we trying to do with horses and yeah so much training is sort of the art of getting horses to do things they don't want to do. Yeah. If we really are honest with ourselves, like that's at the core. It's like that the horse needs to learn to deal with it, tolerate it, do it anyway. And, you know, sure. If he's limping, maybe it's stopped, but there's um, yeah. And so this is more like we want our horses to, express don't tell me (laughs) I want to know if that's not comfortable and it can be a much more confusing place to be because some horses are just expressive and then you're like (laughs) no but would you and they're like yeah okay I would you know and so there's not every head toss is oh my god my horse is in pain right so it's easy to go down that road and it can be very I find very, very confusing decisions every day with my horse of like, are they telling me something? Does it mean something? Or is it just a thing? Or, you know, and, and, but I, I think ultimately 
this is a harder place to live. It's much easier to just go, ah, shut up and do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's easier in a way. Um, yeah. But, you know, it doesn't feel as good. And I think ultimately a lot of suffering happens. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think this is the sort of messy middle that is is tricky because we want to listen, but we don't want to be so scared that we never do anything with our horses. Yeah, you know, and um, there there's just with um, just like with bridling, like you know, we listen to our horses when I'm tacking up or grooming. Like, what are they saying today? Where are they reacting? And and. But some one of my horses, she can come out and I touch her somewhere and she's like, and I'm like, oh my God, you know. And then if I just sort of sit there for a second and change my little brain and drop into the space and touch her again, telling her how beautiful she is, she's like, okay. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's, you know, you could say, oh my God, she's sore. I'm like, no, she just was making me be present and think good no, thoughts. About it. Change completely. I mean, nothing like a mirror, right? Um, but other horses, it's really, it is really meaningful. It's like, Whoa, I got it. So it, it, I just want to kind of shout out to everybody out here trying to live in this space of listening to our horses and, Mm -hmm. you know, with bridling, you know, I do teach my horses self bridling, right? So they understand. And there's some days I'll hold up the bridle and my horse will turn their head. So it's like, Oh my gosh. Okay. That's meaningful. But then sometimes I just wait and they turn their head Natia will do this. She turns her head. And then she yawns and then she'll like do a little something else and give her scratch herself in a couple places. And then she goes and sticks her head in the brush. <laughs> you know? So, you know, there's this middle ground of like, do you yeah. need a second? Like sometimes she just needs a second and then she puts her head in, um, yeah. you know? And so again, I'm noticing and someday she just shoves her head in and someday she yeah. looks away too many times and I go, I'm not riding you today. Right. So it's a, it's a, feel thing and but I I think it's for me it's listening to all those little nuances day to day to day because then you can I can start really noticing oh wait a minute that was like three days in a row she turned her head away and so let's look deeper but it yeah it's it's tricky I'm so grateful for people like you who who can approach it who can see it from so many different angles yeah, and I, and like for me, it's been a lot of trial and error. And I think uh, if you know, like having having my own horses, um, they've been my biggest teachers. And I don't think that I ever would have truly understood that without having gone through that. And especially having horses that have, um, you know, kind of been there and done it the conventional way, and so they know their job, and then they come you know, so I've had a few now come to me and then I'm like, okay, let's find a new way. And at the start, they're like, they're like, what do you mean? Like, like they have no, you know, they don't trust. And so the pony that I had, like as soon as I'd pick up the reins, so I had her in a bitless bridle because I'd recognised the bit was a problem for her. But I'd pick up the reins and she was like, okay, I'm ready. And she just like, going to breaks and I sat there one day and I thought oh this is ridiculous but I sat there for 40 minutes because Terza Hendricks had said you need to you know wait until they move themselves or they stop bracing (laughs) and I would pick up the reins and she'd brace and I'd drop the reins again and pick up the reins and she'd brace and drop the reins again and I sat there it was getting dark and I thought oh my gosh like I don't even know what to do now. Like, do I stay here or? Anyway, after whatever time it was, I picked up the reins and she didn't brace. And I was like, yay, and I got off. (laughs) And then the next session, like, it was just completely different. Like, she she learned in that moment that, like, I'd given her a different option and I was going to listen. And we had a few sessions like that where she'd get stuck and I'd just have to sit and wait. And it was long, long periods of time. But it, we every time we had one of those sessions, like it was a huge leap forward in our communication, in her trust. Um, and, you know, she got to the point where she'd tell me, I'm happy for you to ride me today. And she'd line up to the mounting block. And if she wasn't, she'd put her head on my shoulder and she'd push down. Oh. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> that was like, no. And I, and I trialed and errored because I didn't, I was like, but I want to ride today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a few times I would go, oh, come on. And I'd have like the shittest ride. Like she'd never do anything wrong, but she just, her body would feel bad or, or like they'd, you know, be brace. And, and I was like, well, that wasn't worth it, was it? <laughs> so like she, being a mare, as you said, like, you know, she was really clear uh, in teaching me, you know, and obviously I tried really hard to figure out how to listen, but she was, she learned that she was teaching me <laughs> as much as I was trying to teach her how to have balance in her body she was teaching me how to like listen um and whereas when you get a gelding who's been through stuff they don't they don't make you listen so jelly's like super polite and he's like oh what oh what do you want me to do oh oh sorry 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 like and he and he's like oh I'm scared now like I'll just I'll just run (laughs) you know so like he was the complete opposite being a gelding um, and trying to please me. And I had to approach that very differently because I had to reassure him a lot, slow down a lot, take the, you know, take it back in a different way to, you know, be able to give him confidence. And and Pat thankfully taught me how to listen because otherwise I'd take advantage of Jelly very easily so yeah it's really it's a it's you know it's an interesting place to be and we had this conversation in um in my group last night and people saying I don't know like yeah I don't I don't know how to progress like I don't I don't know what to do because I'm in that middle place where you're where you said before and I I don't want to do the wrong thing by my horse but I'm not really sure well, you know, if I sh- should, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like you kind of have to trial and error and make the mistakes and learn what your horse like. Just try to learn your horse's level of communication and what's a hard no and what's a like. I just need a bit of time, and I think the only way you can learn that with the individual horse is a bit of trial and error, and you're going to make mistakes. And you just have to be okay with that. And they will help you. Like they really do help you along the way. Absolutely. And I think this is why I want to, you know, call out this messy bit because it's easy, especially as a professional to go, I know the way here's this five-step process. It's a miracle. And that's (laughs) not reality. And I was reading a, a definition of mindfulness is when you, when you begin to know that you don't know. Because when you know that you don't know, then you have to be here in this space, being open to to the signs. And so I think that bit of confusion, as long as you don't get into the frustration, yeah. you know, part of it is just going, huh, you know, what's happening here? What are they telling me? And that's what I try to do, you know, every time my horse um if they're eager like you said if they line up with the mounting block or if they don't and that we don't jump to a conclusion oh he's not lining up the mounting block therefore he's in dire pain and he hates me no maybe he just got distracted over there and he forgot what he was doing for a second right so i think it's that just for me trying to be in the moment going huh look at that Mm. and then i can make a conscious decision it's like okay he was a little hesitant coming to the mounting block I'm going to choose to ride, but maybe I'll be a little bit more mindful while I'm riding, or maybe I'll just go on a trail ride today. Like I'll err on the side of whatever, or I might go, no, I think we're going to do this, but I'm going to do that consciously. I am making a decision to do this. So, and so I think what you said is perfect. Like you're, you're going to have to trial and error it. You're going to have to listen. You're going to make some decisions that, that weren't the best, but you're, if you're conscious, then you're going to learn from it. You know, when he did this, I chose to do that. And boy, that didn't work, you know, but that then you're going to probably not repeat that pattern 20 million times obliviously. You're going to go, oh, yeah, I I did that last time and that didn't work. Next time I'll try something else. So, yeah, and you start to recognize like the little signs that maybe you didn't recognize the first time 
And then, but you start to go, oh, actually, like they did do this, 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 and this. I just thought that that was something else. And then like you start to kind of know little patterns that start to emerge, like when Jelly gets anxious about something and it's not always, like you said, for him, it's not always pain related. It can be just anxiety related. Like he will start to mouth me. And then if he gets really anxious, he'll start, he doesn't do it very often now, but if I'm videoing him, so obviously when I'm doing videos, I would get more anxious and uh, he'd feel the pressure and he's like, like, what's, what's wrong? And he'd start to bite me. And so he's had to learn how to like realize that just because my attention is not on him and I've had to like really regulate myself, like what you said with your mare, like I've had to go, okay, he's just feeling my anxiety with the, cause I'm want to do a video right now. And so I have to really regulate myself and I had to just do it with no one around for a while so that he could build the confidence in the process. And, and now he's like, okay, video time. <laughs> <laughs> the other day I had to tell him we were finished and he was still standing there like, no, I'd taken his halter off and everything. And he's still standing there like, like, okay, I'm ready. And I said, Tilly, we're finished. And he was like, oh, okay. And then he just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wow. I think he's okay now with a video. <laughs> so It's amazing how much they know what's going on. Yeah. It's and like, I, we, I had another girl there helping me. And we just cracked up laughing because we were like, he's getting this now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really funny. Yeah. No, they're 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 reading everything, I think, just laughing at us most of the time. Because <laughs> there's yeah. just so many times we're in our barn with me and my the the my assistant. And we'll start thinking of like, okay, in a little bit, I think we're gonna put these over here and and then I'll wanna ride this other one. And and we just wait. And you know, so many times it's like, look, they're already walking over there. And look, this one's already coming over here. <laughs> How did they know? Oh my goodness. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one-week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. <laughs> back to some more practical. So for people who maybe don't have someone like you who has all the different perspectives, do you have any insights you can give people of like, if they sense there's something not quite right with their horse and it might depend on what the not quite right thing is, like what are some guidelines as far as, hey, you know, you should bring a standard vet and get an x-ray or you should maybe try a fascia person. Or I think that's like, can you give somebody any guidelines as far as who to call first or yeah where to start I think if you've got an obvious lameness um you know so your horse's head bobbing or and there's an obvious lameness then definitely go to the vet first um so that's going to be your best port of call if you've got um a horse that's head shaking uh, that I'd, rec I'd recommend that you find a craniosacral therapist 
Um, if you've got a horse that is uh, having problems, say, with the girth area, then you might start with a body worker, but you may need a chiropractor uh, if there's a wither issue. And then you might need a saddle fitter to also check the girth and the saddle fit. Um, if, uh, what's another one? Like if, you know, I think it often depends on who you have available to, to you. Uh, and sometimes, you know, like I'll have horses where say myself and other body workers are treating them because we treat differently. Um, and, you know, I can come in with the chiropractic or the osteopathy and they've had kind of their, their other body work. Um, I think if it's a bit of a niggling issue and you're not quite sure, then you just need to find the highest qualified person, like in terms of probably body work because from a veterinary perspective, if it's just a niggle, they're probably not going to be able to find it. Like they're not going to be able to block it. So then you just need to keep searching for the person um, and don't listen to, you know, don't listen when someone tells you necessarily there's nothing wrong. Like I think that's the most important thing. Like even if you've had five body workers um, or five vets or five health care prof professionals or five trainers, if you still feel like there is something wrong with your horse, don't give up. Like I've had a lot of people come to me and they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. And um, I've been searching for years and I, you know, wish I knew this sort of modality or person existed. Uh, and so we're not all of the same mold. We don't all have the same knowledge and experience. Uh, and so you've just got to find that person who is able to figure it out for you. Uh, and so I would say in those situations, just don't, don't give up. And sometimes it's the owner who figures it out for themselves. You know, like they go and study or something. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't really have like a, a, a definite, like this person for this and this person for that, uh, except, yeah, obviously for layness, definitely go to the vet. Uh, and for non-specific things, start with your body worker and your saddle fit. No, that's, getting, that's super getting helpful. Getting feet checked, check, saddle fit, and then kind of progress from there because lots of things stem from those things as well. So again, and your own body. Yes. Get your own body checked as well. So say that again because I think I interrupted a little bit. So teeth, feet. So get the teeth ruled out, uh, the hoof balance ruled out the saddle fit um and your own body and then and then look at training and you know their ability to balance and 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 move themselves um and then you kind of go to body work like even as a body worker I will often say have you when did your feet last get done when did your teeth last get done what saddle do you ride in has it been fitted um and yeah, and I might ask any other gear that you use and try to rule those things out. No, that that's super, super helpful. Those are some good guidelines. And and I think it's it's helpful just to hear that it is complex. You know, I always feel like, oh, there's something missing and and I'm why can't I find it? It's you know, and and sometimes it's just complex. And yeah, and, and yeah I love the the advocacy for the horse. Um yeah, so maybe tell tell everyone where we can find more about you or learn from you and um yeah yeah so uh, my facebook page is integrative veterinary integrated sorry integrated veterinary therapeutics uh that's probably the best place i have recently got a website kind of sorted again because i let it lapse while i was at the uni um and so that'll be connected and um, I've started the online courses, so the posture, st strength, uh, stability to strength. I'll have another one of those running in February. Um, and 
yeah, like we within that we look at posture and we kind of empower horse owners. Um, in the current one, we have lots of body workers, saddle feeders, hoof care professionals, um, and other kind of equine professionals. But we have a lot of horse owners too, who are just empowering themselves with awareness of posture um, and influencing factors, and then some exercises that can help. You know, very simple stuff to kind of help them with that so yeah nice. which is exciting nice all right yeah so and i'll i'll put the the link it sounds like the facebook page is the place to be for sure yep. and i'll put the links to the to your course and stuff in the show notes so everybody can find them there cool. um thank you raquel for taking this time this was awesome yeah thanks karen it's been yeah really good to chat to you If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.